Welcome to episode 99 of We The Gamer Cast. It's the official podcast of WeTheNerdy.com, and it publishes on iTunes and Google Play every Monday. Even if it's later in the day, it happens. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and subscribing and rating us on iTunes. Thanks to our executive producers, Nick Militia from Next Level Games, Joel Brooks, James Johnson, Dr. Doom, Sheldon Benedict, and Glocko Schaefer. Guys, you are making this possible, and by next week, the show is going video. And when I started the show by saying it's me, Sean Capri, I should also have said it's also Lincoln Capri. I expect him to to jump in at any moment. He's looking at the microphone. He may rip the the cord from my earphones, uh, and have I might have a violent sort of incident here. But anyways, if you're new, here's the deal. Every week I have sweet hangs with a stranger from the internet, and we talk about video games. And if you want to be part of the show, it's easy. Tweet at me, Sean Capri. It's uh, Sean like Connery Capri like the pants, of course. Last week, Joey Noel, the Joey no- Noel, community manager of Kind of Funny, was on. And if you missed it, if you're here for Ben this week, go back last week because it's a it's a duo of Kind of Funny best friends. Everybody, so it's been it's been amazing. This the, as we close out the double digit episodes of We the Gamer Cast, we do so with the Kind of Funny community, and that's I think that's pretty. Awesome. I'm, if I'm a little off today, I'm a little, uh, I'm, a, I'm recovering from a weekend of, of riding. I did the math and it was about 65 to 70 miles per day on a bicycle. And my body feels great. My, my head feels pretty good. My butt, I think sitting to do this, po- I, I think I would rather stand actually. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. I don't know if you guys have ridden a bike recently, but it's not like when you're a kid and you just rode around like whatever. Holy crap. I, uh, my ass took a pounding this weekend, everybody, but we did it. We raised a lot of money for cancer research here in Alberta. And I want to take just a quick second to thank Seamus Mullins, the wonder from down under, Ray Osorio, and Josh Stapleton. You guys donated to my ride this year and it means the world. Um, goodness, that was, it's a special event that was my sixth one. I did it with my dad, and we did it in memory of dads who we have lost. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to get too much more into it than that. I'm going to try and keep the tears for maybe another episode. It was a special, special weekend. So that's why, if you're wondering, if you're listening to this on Monday, it's coming to you a little late. It is, uh, it's about noon Eastern Standard Time as I record this. And I wanted to make sure that I got all the information for Patreon at patreon.com slash make us better and um, get a quick update there so all our credits are right and give a quick thank you to Spencer Stapleton at Krypton TKMC. He just jumped on board. Man, as if you didn't like do enough already, the Stapleton crew just all over this. So thank you so much to Spencer Stapleton. If you guys haven't already checked out Fortress of Nerditude, uh, Fort of Nerd, it's a safe place for <laughs> you to chat about all things nerdy. This is video games, but like if you guys are into the, the deepness it actually reminds me of Secret Friends Unite a little bit. If you guys like Secret Friends Unite, then you're definitely going to like uh, Fortress of Nerditude because it goes goes deeper than my knowledge of of Nerditude. And it's awesome. So thank you so much to Spencer for the support, man. It really does mean the world. All of it. Guys, like it's it is incredible. Whatever you do if you if if you're just listening, that's uh, more than I expected in the beginning anyway. <laughs> it's more than I expect now. So yeah, all, all the rest is gravy. Lincoln is wondering what I am doing right now. Um, we'll treat this as story time. 
<laughs> he's just like wandering around or looking around. He's hilarious. He cracks me up. Okay, I'm not going to talk too much before we get into my chat with Ben, but I wanted to give a little kind of preface or preference, as, as my boy Bobby, Bobby would say. Um, I had kind of a realization during this conversation with Ben, and it kind of reminded me that of why this show is kind of a scary proposition. Ben and I talk about some serious stuff uh, in this conversation. He, he demonstrates sort of a level of maturity that I just did not have. Like when I was around his age, I was calling myself Awesome Schlong on the PlayStation Network, and I'm still stuck with that stupid decision. Um, I, I, I mean, really, like I, pro- I probably still am not as mature as Ben is, and, and you'll see why. Why I'm saying this in a little bit. Um, one of the stories he actually describes a friend who wasn't so great to him back in the day, and I was. And and I've been dwelling on my response to this story ever since, you know, after the conversation ended, I kind of just like went to Chelsea. I'm like, man, I just, I learned really a lot about myself in this. And this is why the show is so great. In many ways, I was the jerk kid that, that Ben describes. And I look back on many of the interactions that I had with some of my friends. And a lot of times, um, I treated other people very poorly. And I, maybe even today, like I still, I still need to, be mindful of that. Like, obviously, I want to be, you know, kind and generous and all those good things. You want to be that good person. But sometimes I realize that that I'm not always that person. And certainly as a kid, when I'm when I was, you know, boys being boys. Oh, that's a little cough from from Lincoln. I'll try to teach him better. Anyway, um, I just I realized that that now it's not it's not okay, really okay just to be just boys being boys and Ben demonstrates this so well um and that's really why I was so so impressed with Ben I think you guys will be too um it makes me happy to know that Lincoln will grow up in a time where we hold our boys to a higher standard and my conversation with Ben made me realize this and and much more um so it's a really it was a it was a great conversation in and of itself, but I took a, a lot more away from this, and I wanted to thank you, Ben. I want to take this time at the beginning just to just to give you more even more of a shout out. Uh, thank you, of course, for doing the show. Um, but I really did I really contemplated our conversation for for quite a while, and I continue to. But it, uh, certainly uh, when we when we hung up, I was not done with that conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I certainly did as I, as I bounce my knee here to try it. This is multitasking at its best folks. This is parenting and podcasting all at the same time. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, what am I playing? Um, I obviously, I think I mentioned last week, chicken wiggle. My review will go up this week. I was mistaken about the, the embargo last week. So the embargo is, uh, is Wednesday of this week. So I should have something up on weedthenerdy.com. Um, I will also be reviewing Cinemore EX. It is a bullet hell and it is freaking hard, guys. And I'll, you'll learn more on my review. Uh, I won't talk too more about that. Hey, Pikmin is still in my, you know, as I, as I play Chicken Wiggle, Hey, Pikmin's right over there. And I'm loving this going, kind of going back and forth. My 3DS is, is got a resurgence here. And I want to give a shout out to my boy, Ryan Turfer from Game Moose Podcast. Guys, today in, I actually think right now, I, I'm pretty sure that, like, you want a podcast? You want to, you want to get going? We're almost done. Um, StarCraft Remaster launches in the middle of the day. This is very strange, but I'm going to be downloading that immediately after I publish this. So if you guys are playing StarCraft or if you've ever played StarCraft, you're interested at all, I don't think it's very expensive. So go check it out on Blizzard Store. Let's get some old school StarCraft going. I freaking 
Love it. I can't wait to be playing that with uh, as many people as possible. Let's just all be bad at StarCraft together. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, let's get right into it. My guest this week is Ben Bellevue from uh, Miss Movies. He works with Miss Movies and uh, really just another kind of funny best friend. I pulled up a tweet. I tweeted at Ben. It turns out it was like two years ago. We refer to it in the story here. If you guys want to follow him, he's at Mr. Underscore Bento Box. You're going to be impressed. If you guys are over the age of 30, like like me, you're going to go, what? I need to up my maturity level maybe a little bit. I don't know. This was a great chat. Thank you, Ben. Here we go. Ben Bellevue. crazy i just kept bouncing around doing stuff during the day and then i went to see my friends at their house so i got back home and i was like oh it's like 1 30 in the morning yeah why do we get 1 30 why do i get the feeling that that's kind of that's just you though like why do i get the feeling that you're just going from like 16 different things a day and i'm sitting here losing track of everything in life (laughs) see i feel like you got that feeling because i'm like a very extroverted person are so you like, actually? I, come, I am. You're like so true across, to form in, extrovert, or are you like an introvert playing an extrovert? Because that's me. I think, like I, I'm. Mm, it, I guess it depends on what you consider an extrovert. Like, uh huh. Um, like I, I hate this. making plans. Like I like doing things, but mm-hmm. I hate the act of making plans. So I guess you consider that more like an introverted quality. Mm-hmm. But I need to be around people pretty much at all times, and being around people gives me energy. Yes. So like. I would consider myself pretty extroverted, just an extrovert that hates making plans. Okay, well, that's that's probably, like, a special, like, character, or special categorization of yeah. extrovert. Because I think, I think I'm the introvert playing the extrovert, because obviously I do this podcast, and I get to meet, like, people all the time, yeah. and I get, like, a lot of energy, but I don't think that it's necessarily out of, like, being around people, as it is about, like, the creative process, about, like, okay. seeing, like, can I actually do this, and then... You actually can, and that's kind of, that's kind of cool. And one on one, totally different, man. Like when I'm in like a group of people, I am I'm not even close to being the same. I'll let other people talk. I'm like, other people surely have much more interesting things to say, or they actually know what they're talking about. So have you always been like this? Because like I know I've had like a shift in life. Um, very shy as a kid, where I wouldn't even talk to anybody, and so this is kind of like outside of my comfort zone. But like, have you always been? Like, trying to be around people and, and just kind of gaining your energy, like, in that sense? Um, I think, like, yes and no. Yeah. Um, I wasn't good at being social as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, like, well, when I was really young, yes. Um, I had a bunch of friends on my street. I basically hung out with them at all times, every day, all day. Nice. Um, yeah, it was great. And then when I got older um, and, like, moved, I didn't have that street connection. And because I'd always had that ability, I never had to learn how to actually make plans and communicate with people. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, like, an issue where I think I was an extrovert the entire time, but I spent years where I just wasn't spending time with people Mm -hmm. and became very accustomed to it and was just like, this is fine. And now I look back on it, I'm like, that was death. (laughs) So what were you doing as a kid? Like you had your your group of friends growing up playing in the street. Like was it, were you playing on the street or was it video games from day one? Like where does that all kind of fit into it? It was, it was both. Nice. Um, 
like we play on the street a lot uh we would ride our bikes we'd play like you know baseball and stuff um we had this uh what we called the chalk rock zone that was like down the hill from my house <laughs> What's that, that was it's so so there's a type of rock that's like it's chalk okay it's, it's from a mountain but if you if you like use it on a sidewalk it is chalk no way so yeah no it was awesome so there was this um cliff down the street from my house that was like the entire cliffside was chalk rock mm-hmm. and for some reason as a little kid there was just like field next to it that was just layered in the rocks so we'd go down there take the rocks as we got older the we'd taken too many so then there was only the cliff we just start breaking off the cliff that's awesome um, this is like real life like role-playing game though where mm-hmm. you're like i've got like a quest of making something on the sidewalk and i've got to go chip away this like piece of minerals off of the rock to actually go make this art yeah that's awesome I, um, I wish we'd gotten to the stage of like um what's the word i'm looking for like, you know, mixing things, crafting. Mm. To the stage of crafting where we're like, okay, <laughs> now we're going to combine this white chalk with mm-hmm. this, so we're going to have purple. Yep, you get the you get your rose tips, like the petals from this flower, so that you get a little bit of a dye going. And then yeah, you put, yeah. But for some reason, you're putting it into, like, this this cauldron over a fire, and that's what ends up crafting it. Like, that makes no that's sense at all. Do it. Yeah, that's it's hilarious. Like, it's, like in, it's like in Zelda when you are making something and you throw an actual jar of milk in and you're like, this isn't logical. No, but it all works. It just, I mean, in some crazy way, Nintendo makes that actually somehow make sense. Um, I'm curious, like, what what were you guys playing at that time? Because I know there's sometimes when I have people on the show, I get to identify that I'm a very old man and I have young, (laughs) young people, as old people like to say. What were you playing? Like, what's kind of like your first... Like gaming memory for me, it's like NES. I'm playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but that's like three decades ago. Yeah, I'm I'm much more recent. Um, I'm much more recent. Memory. That's a very <laughs> nice way of putting it. I like that a lot. Thank you. Um, my first memory is Pokemon. That was like the big thing that the kids on my street played. Um, I didn't have a console, um, mm-hmm. like a, a home console for a while. So for the longest time, like my only system was a Game Boy, and pretty much my only game was the new Pokemon games as they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played that a lot. Uh, in the PS2 era is really when I started getting, well, I got my PS2 and that was my first home console. Mm-hmm. How old uh, were you when, when that happened? Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe eight okay. or nine. Okay. Like I was, I was kind of late to the game. My dad didn't really want to get me a home console. He was like, you have a Game Boy, this is enough. And I totally. was like, yeah. Um, and I, my next door neighbor, my next door neighbor had a PS2 and a PS1. Um, mm-hmm. So I played with him sometimes. Were you good friends with him, or just kind of like you happened to be neighbors? Kind of, yeah, like yes and no. He, I still know him. Um, he and his family are like very close family friends. He was also a really bad person as a kid. Oh no! Uh, yeah, so I kind of dealt with him out of because he was in close proximity and because our parents were friends. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, dang. and actually, the reason I got my PS2 was because. We would go over to play at his house, and one day, like, he was being a dick, and I stood up to him, and he threatened to not let me play his PS2, and my dad was like, that's not happening, and bought me a PS2, and then bought every game that kid owned, so he could never threaten me. (laughs) What what else was... Okay, we're going to dive into this, because this I find hilarious, because part of it is just being kids, maybe, or maybe not, maybe, maybe, like... 
maybe you just shouldn't accept that sort of behavior. But I remember a lot of stories like that. Where my neighbor, I, the reason I ask if you're close, because I was extremely close with my next door neighbor. Yeah. We've got like this, we had a gate between our backyards so that we didn't have to like, we could just run from my backyard to his backyard. We had nerf uh, wars and everything. That. It was incredible. But we would have our little spats about like what games we wanted to play. And, and um he, I remember one time where he didn't want to play Street Fighter 2. And I said, if we didn't play it, I would steal it from him. And that was just that. Then we then we played, but then after that day, we never played it ever again. Like, well, for a very long time. It, and he threatened that we would never play again. We had spats like that all the time. So I'm curious, what else made this neighbor of yours such a back? <laughs> I mean, he was just he was a bully. Um, mm. He he would he like not just to me to pretty much everyone on the street. Um, mm-hmm. He would tease people. Um, he could be violent sometimes, although not usually mm-hmm. like that violent with us. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he had a lot of issues. He's, he's a friend now, honestly. Like, he grew out of it eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Part of the reason I put up with him for so long is that when he wasn't being a dick, he was a pretty cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that he's, like, grown out of that, he is just that cool guy. So um, we're fine now. But as a kid, he was just um, – he was very opinionated. He didn't handle people not ex- agreeing with him or accepting his opinion. Mm-hmm. Was he an only um, child? He was. Well – he was for a long time. He has little siblings now, but they're a lot younger than him. They're yeah. from another marriage. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Actually, I don't know how I just sort of like picked that up out of, out of nowhere. So it seems like from a very early age, like you had kind of like your, like your moral compass was set straight, I guess, north. Is that the way that that goes? Why would moral compass go? Probably. It, it's not wobbly. It's um, all headed towards Santa. That must be like a good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that where you grew up? Um, where la do you say he's also no towards no no um i i was born in maine um so i was the other side of this country um oh, wow yeah and then i when i was three i moved to san francisco i lived there until i was 15 um and then when i was 15 i moved to san diego mm-hmm. uh la is just the past year because i moved here for school what are you taking I go to uh, Loyola Marymount University, mm-hmm. uh, which is this little private Catholic school by the airport, and I study screenwriting because we're a really good film school. That's awesome. So when did you know that that's what you wanted to to end up doing? Ooh, late. Um, oh, nice. Well, like that's like everybody, really. Yeah. No. Like it. The thing is, I think I always was aware that I liked storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I bounced around and I I knew I liked writing. I knew I was good at writing. Right. Like that was the thing in high school where I was like, I'm a really good at writing essays. How do I convert that into like money? Um, <laughs> so age old question. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So growing up, I had a lot of things I wanted to do. For a little while, I wanted to work at IGN. Um. Mm-hmm. I thought about being a lawyer because I liked arguing, but then I remembered I don't like paperwork. Yes. Um, yeah. Um. So. Towards the end of high school, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I was like, I'll be a director and a writer. I'll have all this control. And then I, so like, that's what I was pursuing. I went to community college before going, transferring to a real college. Um, and <laughs> real college. while I was to a real college, it's hard to explain it. Cause you're like, it's, it's college, but mm-hmm. it's not the same. Like, eh. Yep. I know um, exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, so I went to community college and I took a class um a film production class where I had to like direct and produce short films and stuff Mm -hmm. and I did that 
and I walked away from that, and I was like, I'm just gonna write. I'm just, I'm just gonna oh, stick to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I think the reality of the situation was when I wanted to be a director is just because I wanted the control over my story to begin with. So I realized from going through the process that really like as nice as having full control would be, I just like, I cared about the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it, it makes sense just going back in my life. I always liked storytelling. Um, as a little kid, I would, you know, play make believe with like toys and stuff. Um, I have a little sister and I used to play with her and she'd have like Bratz dolls and stuff and I'd be like, oh, I'll play with you and then she'd get mad at me because I'd make them superheroes. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, and it, it, I, I did, God, I, realistically, I should have realized it sooner. Right. Because um, I, I love storytelling. I had to write short stories in my fourth grade class and I loved that. Mm-hmm. I would walk around during like fifth and sixth grade and fourth grade, I would walk around. I would walk around a lot during recess and stuff in school, not yeah. talking to people, just making up stories in my head. Um, oh wow, yeah, totally. Yeah, which is a weirdly introverted thing for me to do now, considering who I am. Um, well, I don't. But know. No. I, I think it's. I think being in your own mind is less to do with about being like an introvert. I think that is like just a spark, that creative spark. That yeah. You, whether you're getting energy from other people or not is gonna be there like for me like I, I find found very early on that as I walk down the street depending on like the pace of my step I'll be playing a song in my head whether it's a song I've heard before or I'll just like make up a tune and I realize I'm like this is totally like based on how quickly I'm walking down the street and and whether that's creativity or I think I chalk it up now to like a little bit of OCD that like everything kind of has to like a look kind of match and a line. I think that that's kind of what, what triggers that. But what I'm hearing is you can make the next baby driver. No, but they're not good songs. That's the thing. Like, it's not like it's a, <laughs> you get the little, like, no, it's, it's no good. But Chelsea and I make up songs for our, for our son. And that's, that's, if yep. it's good enough for a four month old, then that's kind of, that's kind mm-hmm. of it. But like, when did you, when did you, I love like your, your sort of like retrospective and introspective kind of like mindset reminds me a lot of me. Like, because I think about like moments in time where I realize certain things about myself and like, like yeah. that story that I just told, I, I learned very early on, like, but when did you sort of like realize, man, this creativity thing is not going anywhere. It's actually like, I should turn this into something. Was it in that elementary school or was it later no, in like, high school? I guess, I mean, like it was there. That's which the thing. I don't, now. I don't think I have a, a moment like yeah. I think I have steps that got me there. Like I wanted to write for IGN for a while. And I think that was an aspect of it. I was like, I like storytelling. I like being able to communicate with people. So I think that was a step in me realizing I, I like being creative. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I want to do. Did you want to write reviews or what did you want to like? Yeah. Cause like it was, I was God, I was like 14 or 15 back then. Um, so it was back when I was three years ago. (laughs) Sure. Um, no, that was, that was that was like eight years ago. Yeah. Um, it was eight years ago. Like all I generally had was the podcasts and the reviews, and I was like, I want to write reviews and mm-hmm. be on podcasts and be like Greg Miller. And yeah, um, so like I think that was a beginning step in me being like, creativity is the way for me to go mm-hmm. as a career. I just didn't know how, and then it was just kind of narrowing it down. I can't say there, there was a moment where I was like, aha, of course, this is it. Yeah. 
what 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 about like your parents like did your parents kind of like foster this for you a little bit like your dad got your your playstation oh. 2 was that a, was that part of it or was that just in re- in reaction to that certain situation um i mm, i wouldn't say my parents fostered it mm. um they were against it by means it wasn't like that they had a problem with it it was just kind of my thing um well, there's that no. concern, like, how are you going to be successful, right? I know my yeah, parents like, had that with my... My brother's a music teacher now, so he figured out a way to make, like, have music make money for him. But yeah, like, I know that I've seen that conversation happen of, what are you going to yeah, like, do with your life? <laughs> they foster it now. Yeah. In the sense of, like, they're supportive of it. Like, I said, I want to write TV shows. And they were like, okay. Um, yeah, totally. And they, you know, they support me through college and stuff. So in that sense, they totally do. But as a child, they weren't... And, like, they were very support. Like, I would write short stories. I wrote a short story in, like, sixth grade or something. Mm-hmm. And they were very supportive. And, like, it's so good. Um, and stuff like that. But it, it's not like... The they opposite were being they just tear it up. They just take it like, yeah. this is trash. What are you doing? No, they, 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 they really loved it. And they showed it to, like, friends and stuff. Um, oh, dude, that's I don't amazing. Think it was actually that good. But, it was, it, you know, it was very supportive. Um, mm-hmm. They were very good at being supportive of that. But I never felt like they were pushing me to do it or like mm-hmm. um trying to find ways to like inspire me to do it um i was in theater as a kid i guess that might be one way they kind of fostered my creative side mm-hmm. was that just through school or was that like like after like extracurricular kind of thing both uh yeah. it started outside of school i did uh like the community theater over the summer and then yeah. i did this theater program where like we paid money to be part of it and there were a bunch of kids and it was awesome um but i was also a lazy little shit that didn't want to have to drive 30 minutes <laughs> twice a week that's to... far man <laughs> yeah exactly thank you um i was supposed to i'm supposed to go back <laughs> in the summer court and i was like i don't want to do this and my mom's like why and i'm like it's far it is far uh, i, had, day a, I had a car accident and i needed to go half an hour for like physiotherapy and i just didn't do it and that was a horrible horrible mistake please if you guys get injured take care of yourself you'll be you'll thank yourself later um i live in la now everything's far and where was where was this happening where was the theater was that in because you were in san francisco and you're three yeah it was in san francisco yeah. um i was there for like mo- all my childhood for the most part right. um yeah it was um like the community theater was super close to me but then the actual like expensive one or like the one we paid for that was higher quality mm-hmm. was more towards the actual city because i lived outside of it mm-hmm. um and then i did i did some plays in middle school um i think i would have in high school but i moved to san diego and my high school did not ha- in san diego did not have the quality theater experience that uh mm. my old school district had of course so talk to me about all this moving around because like sure. I've I've talked about this on the show before. I live 20 minutes away from where I was raised. Like I didn't move around at all. I will probably never leave this this uh ice mountain that we call Canada and the city that I live in. But you've been everywhere and it seems like maybe just because like that happened early and often for you that you were used to it or was that a sh- like was it a struggle I mean- at all? Like what was that like? I was never used to it um, yeah. because I was so young when I moved from Maine. Like the, right. I remember snow. I remember. Um, <laughs> oh a much my more, god! But I remember not snow. I, not that I haven't seen snow. We get snow in California. You just have to drive to it. I laugh because um, I'm jealous. No, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but no, like I, I have memories of Maine, but it wasn't like a strong attachment, you know. Of 
So, so you didn't glean any I, lessons from leaving that place. Yeah. So mm. when I moved when I was 15, I couldn't like look back to my experience from um, moving away. And so, no, it was hard. Um, and we were leaving my dad in San Francisco. Um, and like he still came, he came down to visit in San Diego, but that was not something I was used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, no, it was really challenging. For what the first prompted the year. move? Um, so I was a transfer student to the school or like an out of dis- district transfer to the school I was going to mm-hmm. um, because the town I lived in was really bad and the high school was dangerous. Um, so most people in my neighborhood transferred to different schools because yeah. like the neighborhood I lived in was a pocket of not so terrible. Right. Um, <laughs> so no one there actually wanted to go to the high school. Mm-hmm. So we all would go to other schools. Um, so I was in this school district in the town over that was really nice, like weirdly rich considering the town they were bordering. Right. Um, and I was going to that school. Um, I got sick, uh, with swine flu throwback. Oh, um, wow. I got sick with swine flu and was out of school for like a month. And it was just too, it was my freshman year of high school. It was too hard to get back into it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up homeschooling that year. And then we decided to apply to go back the next year. Um, and they accepted no new students that year. So we were in the situation where I needed to go to a high school because I couldn't do homeschooling again. I just couldn't. I hated it. Um, and we couldn't send me to the high school in my town because it was terrible. Right. Um, what so, was happening there? I, you've just like my jaw is dropped for because this is an audio only podcast for now. We've got uh, a little uh, in very short time. We'll have this video podcast. My jaw is dropped because you just unloaded a whole crap load of stuff we need to unpack. What is sure. happening at this high school that makes it dangerous? And I think that I could connect with you on a, on a level because there were high schools in on the north side of Edmonton. Anybody knows this area. The north side is like you just don't. And that's where I grew up. I was 12 yeah. years old and I knew every racial slur in the book um, just because that's the neighborhoods that we grew up in. Um, the high schools that were on the north side had monthly stabbings. There was a high school that was down the street from me that – you know, probably twice or three times a year, the drug dealer at that high school shot dead. Like that's yeah. the kind of like crap that was going down. So I no, you're you're describing the high school. Like what the freak, man? Like this, yeah. is, and this. Um, think these are kids when you think about it. Yeah. Like this is high school. These are kids that are like really horrible things happening. Yeah. Um. I grew up in technically I grew up in El Sobrante, California, um, but we were a sub town in what's called in this town called Richmond, California. Right. Um, and Richmond is, it has pockets of nice, but most of it's really bad. Um, and the high school down the street for me had had Richmond had two high schools, essentially the one down the street for me and then Richmond high school. Right. And the one on the street for me had kids bust in from like the worst parts of Richmond. Mm. Um, and so did Richmond high school. So basically just both those high schools were the, you know, the poorest, the, um, most like violent area um and like it it, the reason it's like that is heavily based in an industry thing i think Mm. most people in richmond moved there for they were like poor people who moved for port jobs in san francisco right and i think the port jobs got lost so you ended up with this like very condensed pocket without jobs and Mm -hmm. everything just went to hell and never really recovered um so, 
Um, so no, it, it was bad. Like there were stabbings. I, um, I was in community college and we were watching this video on my classes about a high school where something really bad happened and like all the kids were just watching during it happening. Mm-hmm. And they then said the high school and I was like, that wasn't mine, but it was the other one from the town. Oh my gosh. And you're like, good thing I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, you think about I would have been, life. that's the crazy thing. That's I would have been there. You're like, um, thank goodness something, some force in the universe kind of took me away from that and yeah. like led me down this safe path. I mean, my mom, basically, like she mm-hmm. uh, refused to let me go to that school. Uh, so it was, it was the middle of the great recession. Um, we were poor as hell Yeah, and we couldn't afford to move. So my mom was like, okay, I'm going to San Diego with Ben um, and my sister mm-hmm. and we're moving in with my mom or my grandmother, her mom. Right. And um, we'll set, be able to send them to a much better school. Um, and my dad, his business is built based in San Francisco. He can't move it. So he had to stay in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, that's how that transpired. How, how was that on the family? Because you sort of say that very nonchalantly, but like that's kind of a big deal to kind of like just pick up the family and move. Cause it also not close. Like it's no. not like San Diego is right around the corner. No, it's an eight hour drive. <laughs> 30 minutes oh. twice a week was far, man. <laughs> Um, no, it was hard. Um, like I had a lot of trouble the first year being away from my dad. Um, cause I like, I wasn't used to that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister had issues with it too. Uh, we got like, we adjusted, it became the norm after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and my dad still came down to visit a lot. Um, nowadays he comes down every other week. Um, and he oh, has so this own. is still the situation. Well, they're divorced now. Oh, um, Okay. Yeah, so, so like, I mean... I wasn't going to ask, but it did seem no, like it, it was the story a, was going a, that way. It, yeah, it's a fair question. Um, um, they're divorced now, so he has his own house, um, and he goes down every other week, and my sister visits. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he'll keep doing that once my sister goes to college. Right. He might, um, but for now, that's what he does. Are you guys still... Are, like, what's what's the family dynamic now? Was, was it one of those, like... You just have, was your mom like, you got to stay there, that's work and that's just life? Or like, how has, how have things played out for, for you, I guess, with, with each of your parents? Um, I mean, in what regard, like in reference to the divorce or? Yeah, like I know sometimes, like, okay, so I'll give an example just so that it's not just me prying into your life, but my, my, my uncle, my uncle is sort of like the, the poster child for just wait make the right choice don't just get married and have kids just just to do it yeah he has he has four kids and he talks to one of them um damn he like doesn't talk like there's no relationship at all like basically as soon as the divorce happened like he just kind of went off and did his thing and and as as growing up my parents were like this is why like make sure that you wait and make sure you find the right person and whoever that is like we'll support it but don't rush because this yeah. is what can happen. Cause obviously with every divorce, like for him, he was, he was ruined. Like he, you know, he got his house taken away from like all these things. And now that I'm an adult and kind of looking back at what all transpired, it's like, dude, totally deserved it. But yeah. So I just wanted to like, I, I look at that and say like his kids actually want the relationship with him, but he wants nothing to do with him. So it's, it's a God awful situation. 
So I'm always curious because I also know friends who who grew up with divorced parents and they all have like a really good kind of situation. It's just this is the what happened. It life took us in separate directions and there's no like hatred or vitriol. It's just we live in different places and we're kind of no longer married and there's no favoritism or anything. So I guess yeah. from that perspective, like, are you able to get along with your dad as well as you are? able to get along with your mom are they do they get along at all like how does that uh, all um in? yeah um they i'm not gonna say get along yeah because i think that's an over would be an overestimation civil? they can be civil around each other um they don't hate each other by any means um and yeah. i don't really and in a lot of ways i don't think they're worse now than they gotcha. were when they were married um Is they have very, new issues because like my dad's upset that my mom divorced him. But for the most part, their relationship and their dynamic is very similar to what it was when they were married, which is just, you guys should not be together. Right, right. You probably shouldn't be in the same room. Um, and then as for me, I'm fine with both of them. Um, my dad and I have our share of issues. Um, mm. He's, I mean, I'm very different from him in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So that just raises problems. Um, but we still... I still love him. We still see each other and get along. I just went to Comic-Con with him for like three days. That's um, awesome, dude. It is. Yeah. Um, that's been our thing for like seven years. And nice. So that's like we, we still have a good relationship. I'm seeing him literally tomorrow. Um, yeah. So it, it's not bad. Um, but it, the divorce definitely, you know, creates friction sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um do you do you go to your mom like because I think that I go to to my mom as like some like I can just talk to her like yes. I can talk to her like 100%. this um and with my dad like he will always be he'll always be my dad he'll always be my teacher and my mentor and like wanting me to like and guiding me to like better decisions and stuff just like he did with mm -hmm. with marriage like his side of the family is is really the uh don't mess up that marriage decision, <laughs> which is why I yeah. got married, you know, in, in, in my thirties, uh, which is like, I, I don't know if that's late, but to me like that kind of checked off the box for them, which was like, wait as long as freaking possible. Yeah. Um, but like now, you know, I don't know. And maybe this is just a classic father son type of situation where like the son grows up, he gets a job. You can start to, you start to like find your own way. And you're like, I just kind of would like to get like, I just want to have that friend instead of having the, the dad who's trying to like make me go into different places. I don't know. See, maybe I'm projecting a little bit. I think I'm kind of the opposite. Oh, okay. Do um, you want I, him to actually guide? Not that I want him to guide, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of my issues date like with him dating back to not always. Like sometimes he's just a really annoying dad. Um, right. Cause like he's opinionated and he's strong willed and everything. Um, and he'll be pushier because I'm his kid. Right. Um, but I think part of my issue is also just that sometimes he will talk to me like I'm a friend about things where I'm like, why? Like, mm. um, like he'll bring up my mom and stuff um, in not great terms. Um, and right. I'm just like, you don't need to. You don't need to talk to me about this. You can talk to other people. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Complain mm -hmm. about mom to other people. I'm not your friend. I'm your son. Stop. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Okay, so I obviously can't uh, 
that I I can't really relate on that level, <laughs> unfortunately. But I think, tell me if I'm kind of being like maybe we're coming from this. You're you're sort of like letting me walk away from this from a totally different perspective of like maybe like it's actually not a horrible thing that like he's he's there in that way. But I guess I guess just to be able to like kind of have a conversation, not be like waiting for the other end of it to like have him go do this. And it's like, I've actually kind of had to tell him like, dad, I'm not really looking for advice in this conversation. I, I definitely see the value of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's just a trait. A lot of people have though. Like I have lots of friends who are the same way where when someone's complaining to them or venting to them, they feel the need to, yeah, they feel the need to try and help and Mm -hmm. fix it. And they don't, quite get the concept of like we just want to complain mm-hmm. and vent um yeah that's fair so like it, it's definitely annoying but i don't think that's something i and like he does that too but i've never viewed it as mm-hmm. him being my dad i just kind of view it as that's his way of dealing with things is like mm-hmm. you have a problem here's my solution i'm sure he would do the exact same thing with friends yeah that's true so we're okay actually i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and and awkwardly transition us out of here go i want to talk about a pretty i think maybe famous picture of you and greg miller from i don't yeah. know how many years ago um, um and you were a different person yeah how many years ago and where was this what is the story of this picture and actually paint for those who haven't seen it okay. like describe what's happening here sure so um because technically it's two pictures, so I'll start with the first one. Um, <laughs> it's so, like you guys aren't even in the same room. It's just Photoshopped you together. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, so because so, it's – for people who haven't seen it, it's um, it's just like a square, and then on top is one photo, and on the bottom is another photo that's like showing a transition through time. Um, mm-hmm. So the top one is from – God, how old is that? Seven years ago? Yeah. Um, yeah, seven years ago. Um, I was 15. I was literally – it was the same month I moved to San Diego, but I hadn't yet. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So Why were you there? Was it Comic-Con? No. It was um, an IGN put on a meet and greet um, at 21st Amendment, which is this bar light, right next door to uh, the offices. Mm-hmm. So I was still in San Francisco, and I was like, I want to go to that. So my mom drove me to San Francisco, uh, dropped me off, and then waited in the corner for like three hours while I... <laughs> talked to um yeah well i talked to people um i talked to like greg and i talked to i talked to nate ahern a lot Mm -hmm. um i talked to david hatfield um for the first time this was your first time yeah i I met all of them what did you talk about i don't even remember um (laughs) i remember i remember mentioning to nate that i wanted to work at ign and that the Wii has a terrible online service Mm -hmm. good i was right about yep um but yeah no i have (laughs) you're hired great observation Yep. Um, I, yeah, I don't quite remember what I talked to them about. Um, but I talked to them for a while, mm-hmm. especially Nate. I don't know why. I talked to Nate and his girlfriend a lot. Um, my mom sat in a corner. Colin Moriarty bought her a beer because she was waiting there. It was very sweet of him. Oh, wow. Um, so, so I took a photo with Greg. Um, and for people, like, this is audio. So for people who don't know me, I'm, like, tall and skinny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was not that way back then. <laughs> I was short and overweight, um, and I had been for a while at that point. So then, like, I, I saw Greg a couple times throughout the years after that, uh, mostly at Comic-Con, actually entirely at Comic-Con, um, 
And then it'd been like two years since I last saw him and kind of funny was just getting started and they did a meet and greet at Portillo's um, in Anaheim because VidCon was going on. Mm -hmm. And I was living in San Diego. So I was like, oh, I'm going to drive up there. I'll see them. Um, so I drove up. I saw Greg and he recognized me, which was surprising because I'd at that point gotten much taller and slimmed out since mm -hmm. last time I saw him. So how did that happen, by the way? I wanted to ask, like, what? Oh yeah, um, height was just puberty kicked in late. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, like no, you don't understand. Like, really I was really late. Shortest. I was like, I was the shortest kid. Yeah. Um, in <laughs> most of my life, I yeah. was the shortest boy in almost every grade I was in. What are we talking? And like then, five two? Like, I mean, like it depends on the age. Yeah. Um, I think. By, when I took the photo with Greg, I was probably like 5'6", five, 5'4". Five, yeah. um, I don't quite remember, but I was, you know, for my age, I was always short. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly my body was like, how about we don't do this? And now I'm 6'3". <laughs> <three>. um, <laughs> how tall? 6'3". Holy crap! Yeah. Um, I'm taller than my dad and it infuriates him. Oh, that's um, hilarious. So for a long time, I was like, I'm going to be so much shorter than you. Mm -hmm. And then I flipped it on him. Um, so, Take that, so I took Dad. a photo. Yeah, um, <laughs> you might be you might be much stronger than me and more physically capable of most things, but I have the height. <laughs> I can see the top now of your head. Now I have the high ground. <laughs> oh, good one. I like it. Um, so I um, so I took a photo with Greg, like mimicking that photo from. Uh, I think at that point, five. Yeah, it was five years prior. That's um, crazy, man. Yeah. So that was two years ago that I took that photo with him, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and when I left, I just made a little, like, I was literally in my car and I made the, I combined the two photos and I was like, you know, transition of time. Yeah. Um, cool to see Greg again. And I tweeted it. And then he saved it and tweeted, and like tweeted it, Instagrammed it, and Facebook posted it. And I think Google posted it too. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the point is, he posted it and he was like, oh, um, fans growing up and stuff. And that's, a reason most people know me. That's the reason I know you, actually. How? Because, okay, because you commented on that. And as a very vain person, I frequently look back at the comments because a lot of them were very positive. <laughs> um, no, but you commented on that. Um, I think, like, let Ben host or something. Oh, uh, yes, yes, I remember. And I don't know why, but your name stuck in my head. So when I started like, act actively being in this community, I saw your name pop up, and I was like, I know that name. Oh, that's hilarious. I always did want you to host. That is so funny, because the thing that struck me in that picture was, like, like you both kind of did the exact same thing. Like, you both, like, like thinned out and, like, sprouted up, or he probably stayed the same, but you kind of always look a little taller when you're, when you're skinnier. And I'm like, he deserves to be right there with him like i just i just thought and you you became quite handsome like it was quite the transformation that both of you guys that both of you guys kind of went through that yeah. is hilarious man that reminds me like i answered how i got tall to answer how i got skinny like part of it was getting tall mm -hmm. most of it was i stopped eating bread that did a lot of that yeah bread as it turns out how about this like as a can we just go ahead and hit whoever created like that food pyramid or like the, everybody who said eat all this oh. bread and all this cereal and dairy and everything. It's like, that is really bad for you. Like, no wonder we were all worried yeah. about like soda and all the sugar and everything, but we really should have been what was fed at breakfast for us. 
they said yep. like you know part of a balanced breakfast and they show this thing of like three loaves of bread and all that stuff this just this is no good dear listeners also be be worried about sugar it's in everything and it will kill you so what about this because i put sweetener now in everything like that's sure. probably not good either but i do find that no. i like i can i can drink a lot of it and i don't put on any weight so there that's, you go. that's a um, win for now I think studies have shown that sweetener has, like, artificial sweetener has adverse effects. Um, Maybe except so stevia. I feel like stevia mm. is supposed to be more natural, so it's not as bad. I don't mm. know. I don't, I don't really either. put artificial... I don't sweeten many things, so I never really have to deal with it. What are you drinking now? What do you got there? Coffee with cream. <laughs> Just like, Whatever. Um, I wanted to ask you, you were talking about before how you were in film school and like you kind of go in going, I'm going to be a director, which I think a lot of people kind of do. And I talked to Ed Placencia about this from Married to the Games, but that episode is lost because my technology at the time was god awful and erased the conversation. But what I found interesting with him and I'm thinking is the same with you is you go in and I think a lot of people kind of have like their perspective on the film industry and creating movies and creating that whole creative stuff. But you really only know about like one, two, maybe five different jobs within that industry. Like what was it that like kind of opened you up to all the other things? Like what, what, uh, was it a a class or what demonstrated that there's more to making movies than just directing and that ultimately led you to following your path in writing? Um, I mean, I I don't think that realizing there's more to it put me on the writing path. Like I was always Mm -hmm. aware that writing was a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, writers don't get as much credit as directors, but they're still like you still see written by as a main thing. So I knew that was one of them. Right. Um, okay. But there's definitely way more that goes into film sets than we give credit for. Um, and I would say it wasn't class that did that. It was film sets. You know, I just when you're experiencing work, it. Yeah. When you work, um, when you go to film school, you know, um, and when you are doing film production, which mm-hmm. many of my friends are, even though I'm not you need the support of other people to be able to get your films done because they don't assign you a team. You have yourself and you have your project and you need a team to do it. So you reach out and you people volunteer to be on other people's sets. Um, and it's kind of a mix of like, you can put that on your resume as production experience and that you can learn about different like avenues and things you can do. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I did casting for two of my friends' films, and I was like, I actually like this. This is fun. Um, oh, what's that like? A lot of emails. <laughs> um, it is so much management. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed it, but also, God, I was dead. Um, really? Yeah, it's like, like it's a two-week period where basically all of your free time is emailing actors. Mm-hmm. Um and then having to go in and then like scheduling a time for everyone to sit down and like bring in people to audition. So my week was emails and my weekends was sitting in a room with the director watching people come in. How often, um, how often do you read a script and you see a character there and you like, is it, is this the process? Do you see the character kind of like in your mind as it, as you're reading the script and then hopefully somebody walks in and that's the person or is it a little more backwards than that, that you kind of go like, Oh, that person, Fits. I guess it depends on the availability of of people, but it's not like casting the uh, like kind of funny does when they cast like the uh, Metal Gear Solid movie or whatever. Yeah, and you um, can pick from celebrities. I think it's a mixture of the two. Yeah. Um, you definitely have 
a vision and that's mo- it's mostly the directors um you know i have input sometimes we would be going through because people would apply uh on this website that's forecasting mm-hmm. that we use so you can look at photos and be like oh that's a good face for what we want that's not the best face for what we want um so we definitely narrowed it based on who we thought physically fit the part we wanted um but from that point on when people come in you know to a degree it's this is the kind of intention the writer had uh or the direct the director is usually the writer this is the intention the director and writer had mm-hmm. when writing the part but sometimes people also came in that put a spin on it that you didn't really expect but liked and you're like that's good mm-hmm. so i cast a uh a comedy film with that had two cops in it um, with a friend of mine and this guy came in and was like really over to- the top of the character and we kind of wanted that character to be um, like in, when we were writing when he was writing it I don't know why I said we when he was writing it he thought of this character um, as like clumsy and young compared to this much older like um, normal cop mm-hmm. but when we ended up casting we cast actors that looked almost the exact same age and if anything the clumsier supposedly younger guy looked older yeah but the actor was so good at it and made it believable that we didn't care mm-hmm. so you know things mm-hmm. things change um sometimes you make allowances for factors that matter more to you um but i would say it's a give and take yeah totally oh man so i want to ask before we run out of time here i want to ask sure. how how Miss Movies came into the picture. How did you and Miss Movies kind of, is it through the kind of funny community and you, like yeah. you work with her uh, on her YouTube channel now? Like what's, what's happening there? Um, I, it, it's all like everything's through kind of funny at this point. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, Isn't that the best? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, I went to, um, I went to last, last year, last year, last Comic-Con, um, Kind of Funny was in San Diego, and they did a meetup at Plight Provisions, which is um, Eric Castro's bar mm-hmm. in San Diego, which I love, by the way. Um, so I went um, to like see the guys, and Joey Noel was there. So I was like, "Oh, I get to see Joey because I hadn't Joey? seen her since." Uh, yeah, I hadn't seen her since um, Kind of Funny Life too, and I love Joey, so mm-hmm. that was great. Um, so I went. I mostly hung out with Joey, and then Brianne came with her husband. And Brianne had met Joey, and they talked a little bit. So Brianne made a beeline for Joey, and then I met Brianne <laughs> through that. Um, and then we kept in touch on Twitter. Um, we did a, f- a few. Um, yeah, we did a couple, uh, like, Southern California meetups at Portillo's in Anaheim. And Brianne went to that, so I got to know her a bit more through that. Mm-hmm. And then... She decided that she needed a sound engineer on um, on the podcast. And I think that was like October. Yeah. So she tweeted about it. She tweeted at me. She's like, hey, do you want to do it? And I couldn't um, that semester because, you know, I already had my schedule planned and it conflicted with when they filmed. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I can put together these tweets that you send out. Like she sends out a question each week and I compile the answers. Um so I offered to do that and then said I would make my schedule work for the next semester, which I did. Nice. Um, yeah. So now I work with her. Um, my schedule works for it again the upcoming semester. I hope I can keep it working throughout. We'll see. And what do you, what exactly? So 
I wanted to ask you, because you tweeted this a, a little while ago. Every now and then when I have a guest on, I, I kind of creep through some previous tweets. So I'm going to throw something back from a few weeks ago, uh, back in your face. You said, one of the best things to come out of working with Miss Movies is it's forcing me to accept my voice or at least be numb to it. What did you mean by that? So, um, so for the most, like, I'm not on camera. Um, mm. My primary job is putting together the uh, the questions she, she sends out, and then during the actual filming, setting up the equipment, and she has a like an actual mixing board, like a sound mixer. Right. Um, so I keep an eye on that. I have headphones on so I can hear the audio levels. Um, I interact. We do live streams when we uh, film, so I interact with the chat. Um, however, they also will ask me for like fact checks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's just... Brianne and uh, her co-host Stacy, because we bring on guests a lot, but once in a while it's just the two of them. Yeah. And if it's just the two of them, I'll just butt in my opinions every so often because I feel like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I talk <laughs> like I I usually get at least three or four times saying something, um, even if I'm off camera. Yeah. So I will sometimes go back and listen to that. Um, Sometimes because I have to, uh, like we did a Q and A where I was the one asking the questions for Brienne and Stacy, yep. and she asked me to timestamp each question. So I was like, "Well, I have to listen to all of this now." Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, what I just meant was, I've heard my voice enough times that I'm not sure I like my voice, but it doesn't bother me to hear it anymore. It's just there. I know what it is. I think a lot of people who ultimately go into either podcasts or were recording their voice in some way, I think hopefully we all kind of have that moment as well. And I, I am curious just in general how many people dislike their own voice. And it's such a thing. People. I think so too. And it's so funny because like, I think it's a very like small percentage of people who have like a totally horrible. <laughs> He's like, well, there's like nobody sounds like, wow, this is my regular voice. You know, people have totally fine and acceptable voices, but we all have a problem with it. Well, the problem is expectations because when we talk, we hear the audio of what we're saying, but we also hear the vibrations from like going up through our mouth into our ears. Mm-hmm. So what we hear when we speak isn't how we actually sound. Right. So it's jarring to people when they hear a recording because that is how they actually sound, but it isn't how they hear themselves when they talk. Mm-hmm. They hear them. They When they talk, they hear themselves generally, I think, in a lower tone yeah. um, because of the vibration. So it's just, it's just confronting a, I guess, a contrast what they expect see but then it puts you on this like stupid journey which this is me projecting and this is not everybody this is definitely just me where you get over the yeah that's what my voice sounds like and then you go wait what did i just say why did i say those things and i hope that at least what i'm saying is is comprehensible to to people um then i always kind of like round out these chats by asking people what is it in 2017 that you're looking forward to, whether it's games or I know we've talked a lot of today about, about movies, but like, what's, what are you anticipating, man? What, what are you, what are you hopeful for the rest of this year? Oh man, there, um, okay. Um, there, let's look at games. Cause you're right. We've talked about movies a lot. What, what games are coming out? Um, I'm really excited for, uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Yes. Um, it looks amazing. I played it at Comic-Con. It was fun. Um, no big deal. Yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> How long did you wait for that? It was surprisingly short, like 45 minutes. 
did you have special access or anything? No, it was just it was just a booth on the show floor. No way. And oh, I walked up at San Diego Comic Con because they always have like Nintendo does their own thing. Like they're actually not even really part of or were they? No, so time? that's the thing. They are and they aren't. So okay. they had a outside Comic Con thing called the Nintendo Lounge. Yep. Which I went to, and it was like an hour long wait to get in. Yep. And they didn't have odyssey in there oh which is weird yeah so i waited an hour to get in i waited like 45 more minutes to play mario plus rabbids mm-hmm. um and then everything else was like games i'd already played they had you know one two switch and they had splatoon and stuff and i was like i right i and arms and i was like i can buy half of these mm-hmm. um so i that was like two hours Were and they then giving i went out t-shirts and stuff when you played it like i was there a few it years ago not. they gave it like little stickers or coupons that when you played a game then you could trade them in for uh, for they a t-shirt. Had, they had a stamp thing mm-hmm. where if you played every game, you can get you get a stamp for each game you play. You get play every game, you turn it in, you get I think a t-shirt or a mug or something. Yeah, that's funny because um, they don't even have stamps in their games anymore. But whatever. It's just, but they had there was like eight games you had to play, and I'd played most of them already, so mm-hmm. I was not about that. And it takes uh, forever. Yeah, and it, took, it takes forever. But they did have a booth on the show floor as well, which was Super Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And I assumed it would take forever. And I walked up to the guy and I was like, how long is this? And he said, 45 minutes. And I was like, that is a shorter amount of time than it took me to play Mario plus Rabbids. So I will do this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm excited for that. Um, I think, is Shadow of War coming out this year? Yep. Yeah, yeah October, I'm excited right? for that. I, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. I played that at... Uh, comic-con 2 mm-hmm. what are you playing um, it on what are you gonna play it on yes four nice i assume yeah um i'm excited for assassin's creed origins really um, yes okay i'm the biggest proponent for this game okay and it is for a very biased reason mm-hmm. um so <laughs> you're secretly my... egyptian yes kind of <laughs> um, really no way kind of i'm not i'm not egyptian however uh my step-grandfather is he was born in Egypt. He grew up in Egypt. Yeah. Um, he moved out of Egypt either during college or right after college. Um, so And also he was an assassin. Yes. That's the big <laughs> twist. Um, but no, like he's he's Egyptian. That's where he came from. Um, that is so cool. And he died last year. So Oh man, I'm sorry. And no, I mean it's fine. Like it's one of those things where he was like very old and you know First of all, he lived a good life. Um, second of all, he, his mind was already starting to go, so it wasn't like an immediate thing where it's like he's there and then he's gone. It's kind of like, you're slowly gone already. Yeah. Um, so, like, it, it sucked, but I was, I, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah. But I don't really have connection to his heritage or anything um, mm-hmm. outside of actually going to Egypt. So the, the Assassin's Creed Origin played its trailer during E3, and they were going through Egypt, and I lost my shit because that's the closest I can come to like seeing Egypt and like exploring his homeland. So that's really special to me. That um, is the coolest answer I've heard yet. I always ask people what are they excited about, and that like I mean already I've never heard anybody say Assassin's Creed Origins, which is yeah. not a knock against them. It's just it's it's so regular like we always get assassin's creed so it's i have never heard anybody like i can't yeah. wait for this year but like the location obviously plays such a special role that's awesome dude yes. i also haven't played assassin's creed since black flag so like there's been a long buffer mm-hmm. i'm ready for more assassin's creed that helps um i'm sure i wouldn't be as excited if i'd played every single one totally but 
where I am right now, the setting and just how long it's been, I'm pumped for that game. Black um, Flag kind of defines my backlog. Like when I look at like what have I got in my I installed on my system that I've been meaning to get to forever, and it just like the years keep tacking on. Black Flag is is one of those games I just keep meaning to get to. I get that. I, just, I never get to it. How about for it's you? Like, do you, what's your backlog defined by? If that makes any sense. Oh God, uh, Witcher Three. Nice. Yep. Mm-hmm. I own that game mm-hmm. on two different systems <laughs> and have not gotten past like three hours on it. <laughs> um. How come? So, yeah, it's so dense. Yeah, there's so much in that world, and I just start the game and feel overwhelmed immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just mine um, just explodes, and then yeah, I wake up with a nosebleed. What the hell happened, like, The Witcher? This, I'm like, this looks amazing, but also I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that's probably the defining aspect of my backlog. I could go back further. Yeah. Because you know, I wasn't playing games from the beginning of games so there are plenty of things i haven't played um, yeah but, but that's that, not that's not really what yeah. it is backlogs yeah. like what did like, you buy and you haven't got to kind of thing then yeah yeah witcher, the witcher. Yeah. that's hilarious uh, i put it i put about nine hours ten hours in and i just couldn't get it but i've been meaning to go back to so i don't know if that counts as like a backlog because i definitely I think so. got my experience with it but obviously you know best game ever made kind of conversation happening around it and i'm like what am i just not getting with this game I think backlog would I would define it by your intention. So mm-hmm. if you played ten hours and thought this isn't for me, and then put it down, I would say like, okay, you played it. It's not a backlog. Mm-hmm. But if you played ten hours and went, I'm not into it right now, but I'll get back to it eventually. Then yeah, it's your backlog. Yeah, dang it. It's something you want to get to? That means it is still kind of like hanging around. I kind of yep. just need to disconnect myself from these negative sources of energy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's too many things. There are way too many things. Are you finding... Persona 5 is just sitting there right now. <sighs> How far are you... Did you start it? Oh, yeah. I got like 35 hours in. Mm-hmm. I'm on uh, Futaba's Palace, which is like the fourth palace. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, you're yeah. into it. Like, I got into it, but that's the problem. I put so much time <laughs> into the game, and I got to this palace, and I had people talking about spending like 100 hours in this game to beat it. And I was at 40 hours at most, mm-hmm. and I was burnt out. And I'm like, I can't do double what I've already done. Mm-hmm. I like, I need it. I need it to come to a close. <sighs> yeah. And there's no like, you just it just keeps going. Like, yeah. So I'm at. I feel like I'm at about 15 hours in. I've done. I'm on to the second palace so i've discovered that whole like side like underworld like in the subway or whatever it is and you can that you can kind of grind down there um then then it's the next palace after that and i'm like i just don't know if i want to do this over and over and over again like does it ever grow into anything else because i was i was surprised to see that underworld kind of like come into it uh as a a bit of a distraction i i did like that but like are you finding after 35 hours it's like it's just going to be the same to like like copy and paste that experience so that it I can mean, get the, the hours. The palaces, in. the palaces are different. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're hand designed, which is a step up from Persona Four. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they throw unique twists into each one. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure the twists really do much um, on a like non-superficial level mm-hmm. like oh yeah in this palace i can do this thing that's unique but at the end of the day it's still me walking through a palace fighting these things in a very like once you get the feel for 
the the rhythm for the combat right. it's so repetitive because yeah. you're like fight figure out weakness use weakness repeat right um, right and yeah i don't like i like persona 5 in a lot of ways i love the aesthetic i love the style i really like the high school simulator Mm-hmm. But I don't think I care about the actual combat. Yeah. Oh, man. You're saying, like, exactly how I feel about this game. Did you play 4? Did you play on Vita? I did play 4. I never finished 4 because I got stuck because I was stupid with my time management skills. Um, yeah, that's a real thing that can happen. But you know why I was stupid with, stupid with my time management skills? Because I spent too much time in the high school simulator <laughs> because the reality was I didn't want to go back into the damn palace. Mm-hmm. But now you don't realize that until after it's yeah. done. This is like what we talked. This is a very nice bookend to the conversation. Ben, I should have jumped into games with you earlier, but I mean, we went down a bit of a, a tangent and that, that, that happens. But very soon, this show will be having, um, guests repeat. So hopefully I can Ooh. have you back on because I, I feel like I could talk to you for another couple hours. But I would we try to keep to. this. You know, a little, like, at least contained. So thank you so much for your time today. Why don't you let everybody, as if they don't already know, where can they find you on the internet and anything else you want to let them know you're up to these days? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Bento Box. You Damn can it, I find forgot to ask about that. What's that? I gotta, I, I'm sorry, okay. guys. I'm tagging this on at the end here. What is Bento, um, Mr. Bento Box? So it, it's nothing. Um, oh. <laughs> I no like it, it, it honestly it's it's nothing. So when I was um younger, I was having trouble figuring out what I wanted my, you know, online handle to be. Mm-hmm. So I decided very stupidly cuz I hate it in retrospect to make it a pun. Um mm-hmm. so I love video games. So I was like, "Oh, I'm born to game." Um but my name is Ben, so I'm Ben to game. Um <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> And I was in high school, and my I friend like was like, it. "Oh, I." My friend was like, "Oh, I like your Twitter handle. It's like a play on Bento Box, right?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No, but it should be." Um, is- <laughs> so I, I tried to switch it to Bento Box, but that was taken. So I switched it to Mister Bento Box, and, and that's is just that been food. It. Is that a restaurant? Oh well, Bento Box is um, a type of food from Japan. So it's right. like those, um, those little like square um boxes that they you know have a bunch of different foods in right um i don't think it's specifically certain foods although generally it has like rice and maybe sushi and chicken and stuff um so literally that was the only reason i was like i was like it's a it has my name in it and i think it's funny so i too good yeah you you and Um, me and love both of your guys's Twitter handles, Ian, why not? It is so so good. good. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so I cut you off in the middle of your plug. I'm sorry. No (laughs) problem. Mr. Bento Box. You can find me at Mr. Underscore Bento Box on Twitter. You can find me at Mr. Bento Box on basically everything else. Um, Instagram, um, video game services. Uh, What else do I have Mr. Bento Box on? Not Snapchat. Um, cause you can't change it, which mm-hmm. is infuriating. Um, so yeah, no, I'm at Mr. Bento box on everything besides Twitter. Um, because someone else has that name on Twitter, even though he doesn't use Twitter. Ah, so thanks worst. dude. I know it's, I hate I'm it. Um, down. I've tried. Um, so 
there's that. Uh, you can find me on youtube.com slash missmovies. Uh, you will not see my face, but you will hear my voice every so often during six, six Degrees of Feature Film. Very cool. And that's basically it. Um, I run PR for my fraternity, so you might see articles on dkatheta.org. There's a plug for you. Nice. Sympathetic artist of character. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks again, man. This was great. What an awesome chat. Thank you so much. Thank you. The end. That is Ben Bellevue. Thank you so much to Ben, Mr. Underscore Bento Box on Twitter. Guys, the music, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. It was Technicolor Thunderstorm. It was an OC remix special just for you. Thank you so much, Ben. What a great chat. I hope you guys, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe I was having a sensitive day. We recorded this last week because, of course, this weekend I was doing the Ride to Conquer Cancer. Um, and maybe, I don't know, was I was I a little sensitive? I, I definitely, for the first time in a long, long time, I had myself realizing that people were listening. <laughs> <laughs> during the conversation. So I got a little, little got a little caught up in that. So thank you to Ben for more than just the chat. Thank you for more than just your time. I really really did walk away from this with uh, something to think about. Uh, this was this was an eye opener. Thanks man. Um, I don't even know if you realize that, but now you do. And now I'm just dwelling on it. Uh, remember everybody, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Capri, Sean like Connor Capri like the pants. Follow the website that I write for, We the Nerdy, and the show is We the Gamer Cast. All those follows help. I don't know how. Nobody knows how. They say algorithms, but that's just like a nebulous kind of thing. Nobody, I bet you couldn't even write me an algorithm. That's a challenge. That was really mean. See, this is what I mean. Why do I get mean like that? That's not even. If you like, you can. <laughs> You can find me on If We Ran Nintendo, where I berate Bobby Pauls and Nintendo Guru uh, from time to time. That show's gone live, thanks to you, by the way. Patreon.com slash better. That is a live show, and it is infused with energy. Uh, what else? This show is part of the Dayspace Network of Podcasts, guys. And that is pretty much the greatest thing, because if you just go to Dayspace.com, you're going to find shows that you're going to like. Like Forget Being Cool and the Warp Whistle podcast and so many more. Basically, all of our friends. We just joined up and we're going to create this super, this super network of podcasts. It's amazing. Uh, thank you again to our executive producers, Nick Militia, Joel Brooks, James Johnson, Dr. Doom, Sheldon Benedict, and our new executive producer, Glocko Schaefer. Guys, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by all of you. Um, remember... I'm a writer at WeTheNerdy.com, so uh, please check out my video game reviews. I have, I, I'm a, I'm an okay writer. I'm not the best. I'm not the worst, but like right in the middle there. So if you're in there for mediocrity, check out my reviews at WeTheNerdy.com. Later this week, I will have my review for Cinemora EX on the PlayStation 4. I will also be reviewing StarCraft Remastered because I'm a longtime fan. I got my code. I'm ready to go. I'm pretty sure it's live right now, so I'm going to publish this. I'm going to go play that. Maybe I'll do a review for Hey Pikmin as well. Uh, really quick, we'll wrap things up here, guys. Thank you to Gary Gray for the cover art. Join the We the Nerdy Facebook group at We. Wow, it's not We. Doesn't start with We at all. www.facebook.com/group/slash/WeTheNerdyFanGroup. Remember, next week is episode 100, and we're going live. Not live. We're going on video. YouTube.com/slash/WeTheNerdy. This is. I'm getting all mixed up here. Trying to hold a baby in podcast. It shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> 
Otherwise, this is episode 99 of We The Gamer Cast. It's now in your ears. Thank you again for listening. I'll be back next week with a good old clips episode. I hope you're there too. Now it's time for Jason. 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 Hit X for Jason. Then it's Sean. Then Jason again. And then I think Sean. And then Jason. 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 Sean. Sean! Sean! Sean, where are you? Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!